Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Um, We are going back in time to do an all-time classic. I cannot believe it's taken 167 episodes, is it, for us to get to this album. But we are talking about Symphony X and the Divine Wings of Tragedy, one of the all-time classic prog metal albums from the 90s. But before we get there, how are you, my friend? Um, I'm, 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 I'm all right. <laughs> I'm alive. Uh, to quote the great Halloween and or Blind Guardian, uh, I am, I'm alive. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, I, I have to be honest. I was away this week. I came back. I feel like a thousand new singles have dropped. It, it, was, it was quite the week in music. So I think we should get into some of that before we talk about Symphony X. Um, I, let's start with the new Ido Falashi single. I, I was a huge fan of his last album, and he came out with a new single, which I, I have to say, very, very good. And if the album is any uh, indication, we're in for a real treat once again. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, really brought me back to that rebirth era of Angra um, with a little bit of that kind of Alma flair uh you know, thrown in there. I guess Alma's not really a band anymore um, because the guitarist is now in Angra, kind of taking the place of Kiko, who is now in Megadeth. Um, so it looks like Edu's just kind of doing the solo thing. Um, and yeah, that last album was great. So uh, I'm excited for this. And I kind of didn't realize it was happening until um, I uh, <laughs> chatted with uh, Ant- Anthony, who's like the the world's biggest edu fan and he um he was he mentioned it on my twitch stream last night of all things and so i was like oh shit i didn't realize he had uh anything coming out and then next thing you know there's a single and a music video out today uh 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 my my ancient mayan is a little rusty but um i think i i think i said that correctly but uh yeah really good tune i enjoyed that quite a bit and it definitely uh got me excited for the rest of the album Definitely a reason why I didn't lead with the name of the single. So thanks for taking one for the team there. Um, anything else that you heard that was uh, kind of catchy? I know I know the new Theocracy single came out as well. That was a pleasant surprise. I'm not even sure I knew that they were coming out with anything new. But their uh, new single, Return to Dust, came out last week. I thought it was very good. If you like uh, you know, Matt Smith's writing style, this is certainly in the same vein as his older material. I, I thought it was definitely uh, something to keep an eye out for. Yeah, uh, they had made an announcement not too long ago that, um, that they had a new album uh, on the horizon. And uh, the album is going to be called Mosaic. It's uh, slated to come out on... October 13th and yes this is the uh first single from it and and it definitely is um definitely what you want to hear from Theocracy and uh I think it it bodes well for uh what the rest of the album um is gonna sound like so yeah looking forward to that um big fan of these guys and uh I thought that they um did such a great job uh playing at Prague Power um was it Shit, my mind is blank. Well, uh, when they they filled in for somebody, um, they filled in for Ancient Bards, I believe. Um, back in 2019, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. them and them oh, and Wild Heaven Wept came in as a uh, as replacement bands, and um, 
I, I will never forget them doing that cover of Time by Angra in uh, in honor of Andre Matos's passing. That was really amazing. Um, that cover was fantastic. Yeah, I'll never forget. I was standing next to you, and then next thing I know, I feel, feel a tap on my shoulder, and on the other side of me is Ralph, just like he, he came down from a seat because he just he knew how cool that was. And so, cool moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I thought their last album, Ghost Ship, was really good. Um, but... Damn, that was six years ago, so they are definitely due. Seven, uh, seven years ago, I'm sorry. Well, it's the, for the album, yeah. No, it's it's been a long time. Um, I have a feeling that they will really kind of, and I don't know why I say this, but I feel like they're going to push this and possibly try to get on a tour or something. Like I feel like they're going to really try to make the most of, of the new music because they're due. I mean, I feel like they don't really do much outside of Atlanta, and then I know sometimes they get booked for some European festivals, but they're fewer and further between. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that they're, uh, I think they're better than than what they're, um, they're, they're. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here, but um, I think they're a better band that, than their popularity would would have you believe. I guess would be the what I'm getting at here. I would not disagree with that. Um, any other singles that you checked out this week? Uh, yeah, quite a few. Um, I won't name them all, but uh, Within Temptation um, has been like slowly dropping singles over the last few years, and it turns out that the majority of these singles that they've released are going to be on their uh, upcoming album, which is called um, Bleed Out, Um, and that's going to be released on October 20th, a week after uh, Theocracy, Um, so... But um, the single Bleed Out was released today. Um, Already Out is Wireless, The Purge, Don't Pray For Me, Shed My Skin, and Entertain You. Um, These are all songs that are going to be on this album. It's 11 tracks, but there's already uh, six of them are already out. So um, shouldn't be too much of a surprise of of how this is going to go. It's still it's it's in that kind of vein of what Within Temptation has been doing, which is very, uh, you know, Radio-friendly symphonic metal would be the way I would put it. Um, Nothing that they've done in a while has really knocked my socks off. Um, I think I would probably say Unforgiving, which came out 12 years ago, which is insane to me. But um, that was the last album that really, like, I really loved from them. Um, I thought that... um, Hydra was uh, very unbalanced. I thought that the four tracks with the guest, the random guest vocalists, uh, were phenomenal. But the rest of the album was was just kind of um, unbalanced. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought Resist was just kind of okay. Like I, I don't know that Within Temptation is never going to make a bad album, in my opinion. But I just there there's something about their new kind of style that just doesn't suck me in the way that. Um, everything you know be from mother earth to unforgiving did so um what did you listen to it i'm curious if you had a different vibe i did and it was weird for me because the way they are billing this album they're trying to make it seem like it's a seismic shift in approach and like just that they're doing something so completely different for them and to me it's basically the same type of thing they've been doing for the last decade and i just i don't know it's not bad i can certainly listen to it but much like the band we're going to talk about later, 
I think the earlier material just blows away a lot of the new stuff. Again, not that it's bad. It's just not like uh, seismic or, 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 or this like, you know, it's not really moving the needle much for me. It's just like, yeah, I can listen it's to hard, this. It's hard to be seismic when you've been like slowly releasing the singles for the last three years. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's kind of like, you know, it's not a big surprise if you've been listening to the singles, which we have. Um, so, you know, I, I'll, I'll, I pre-ordered the album. Like they're just, they're an all time band for me. Um, I thought they kicked ass when they opened for Iron Maiden. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, you know, it's got a, I'm with you on that. Like just kind of have a soft spot for the, uh, the old stuff. Did we, and in in, on last week's episode, did we talk about the new Angra single? Was that something we, Yes, I think, I think we did. I, and just going back to that, it's interesting because now you have Angra and Edu, like we talked about earlier, both doing solo stuff, and it's amongst some of the best work that either has done. So um, really, really interesting stuff. Um, I, I have to say, you know, I, I, I thought he was a great fit for the band for what it was, but they did lose me a little bit after Temple of Shadows. So hearing really a resurgence of that old sound on both fronts, Kind of nice. I like it. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I guess I'll mention one other uh, one other thing. Um, this one came to us via our friend Nops, and uh, it's a band called Atomic Symphony, uh, who I'd not heard of before. Um, the song's called Enslaved. It's from their album Nemesis, which came out this year, and um, really uh, gave me kind of uh, avatarium kind of vibes with this very like kind of uh, sultry female vocals um, proggy, but a little bit has a little bit of a doomy kind of uh, sound to it. I thought this was really good. Um, Nops is definitely becoming like the, um, the, this, the secret, the secret weapon of finding, <laughs> you know, like these obscure uh, bands Um so I thought this was uh, another one, another really cool find from him. So cheers to Nops for uh, another another cool find. Yeah, I, I I agree. That that was enjoyable. He had sent me another album actually as well, but I knew about this one and I gave it a bunch of listens this week, and I really enjoyed it. And the band is Hemina. They're out of Australia. The album is called Romancing the Ether, and I've been listening to this band pretty much since day one. I've somehow they were on my radar from the very beginning, uh, a really, really modern progressive metal album, but just thoroughly enjoyable, not terribly long, easy to digest, definitely um, worth a listen. And another album that I had kind of spent some time with this week is a band called Soraya Sign. They're like a melodic hard rock band out of Sweden, and they do it just about as well as anyone. The album itself is called The Lion's Road, and I don't think it's overly complex, but when something is done well, you just sit back and enjoy it. Um, this is, as far as I know, was their second album, and I have to say, I think I liked it even more than the first. Was it on Frontiers? It, 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 ironically enough, it wasn't. <laughs> But it oh, could wow. have been like you, if you listen to them, you'd say this is clearly on, you know, this is clearly a f- actually, you know what? I'm lying. They are a frontiers band. Who am I? <laughs> I, I didn't think <laughs> they were, go. but you know what? They are. Um, <laughs> and it makes sense because they, they, they sound like it. So I stand corrected. They, they, they most certainly are and, and not surprisingly. So there you go. Well, they, they, some things just uh, are meant to be, I suppose, but, uh, but done well. Um, and now, you know, we haven't covered a Symphony X album since March of 2021, which is, 
surprising to a certain extent, but what's more surprising is that we haven't done this particular album, The Divine Wings of Tragedy, which came out in November of 1996, before we even knew who Symphony X was, which is kind of interesting. Um, I guess I'll start by asking, why did you choose this album and why did you choose it this week? Uh, cause I chose it because I, I, if, I, if I recall, it, it came up in discussion recently. Um, and, and I, more than once, I feel like, and, and we were both kind of like, you know, how is it that we, um, not haven't talked about this? Cause this is kind of an, all, this is an all timer. Uh, a lot of people would definitely consider this, a uh, desert Island album. Uh, I certainly do as, at least as far as Prague goes. Um, but, uh, I think you just kind of explained it uh we haven't talked about the band in a long time um this album is needs to be discussed and uh it just seemed like uh the right time and uh i felt like um i hadn't really chosen anything outside of the prog power realm so in a while so uh thought i would go back and um you know like i said there's a few bands that we've uh we we talked about that we haven't returned to for a, a second uh conversation and um i don't know to me you know we discussed the 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 five album um that that and, and divine wings i think i would consider uh the two you know masterpieces that symphony x has done um i i i'm a big fan of uh twilight twilight in or twilight of i always forget which uh olympus um but um yeah those three albums to me are just like uh I feel like a lot of bands have like their trilogy of albums that from the nineties that we remember, like, you know, I think of master of the rings, time of the oath, better than raw or, um, uh, you know, uh, angels cry, holy land fireworks, like, you know, uh, episode visions, destiny. Um, there's just like, you know, the nineties trilogies or whatever. Um, that for me, like this, I, I think, five sneaks into 2000 but um those three albums man i would put those up against any bands like three best so good um but uh this one might be the best out of all of them um i'm I'm gonna be curious to see where uh our rankings land in comparison to the new mythology suite and uh and i i'd I'd like to think that at some point in the future we'll, we'll hit up twilight and olympus as well I would agree with 99% of what you just said. I think that Twilight and Olympus is probably the third of the big three for them. I think that once they toured like crazy for for the new new mythology suite, they came out with the Odyssey in 2002. I think they were kind of pressured to get it out because I'm sure they were riding high off, off their wonderful album that came before it. And it has its moments. It really does. But I don't think it's as complete a package as the albums that came before it. And then sin- and after that, they completely lost me with a bunch of their new stuff. That would be an interesting conversation to go back to some of these albums that people just love, like Paradise Lost or Iconoclast, and, and just go back and see what we think of that. Because I never gave them the, the, the right time of day, but that's because I didn't like them after I heard them a bunch of times. I, like, I listened to them, and, and then they just never grabbed me, and I never went back to them. So... I think that would be an inter- interesting exercise, but I agree with you. Twilight and Olympus would be a really fun album to cover. And it's kind of 
not really talked about in the pantheon of Symphony X albums, at least by, you know, newer fans. They never talk about that. They'll talk about Divine Wings. They'll talk about the new mythology suite, but they never talk about Twilight and Olympus. I'm not sure why. I think it deserves to be up there. It's interesting because to me, um, as much as I love Divine Wings of Tragedy, I think that Smoke and Mirrors, which is the opening track on on uh, Twilight, Twilight and Olympus, might be better than anything on <laughs> on on uh, Divine Wings. I just really? I, I think that song is that good. Um, but you know, you also have uh, Church of the Machine in the Dragon's Den, Through the Looking Glass. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of really good songs and and uh, you know i'll mention it now um the live album that the band released in 2001 called live on the edge of forever boy you know when we you know how we talk about and and symphony x and camelot are usually the two bands that we tend to focus our discussion on when we talk about this but bands that just don't seem to to pull some stuff out of that old uh, out of the old hat so to speak as far as material goes and kind of stick to that same same ish set list with not a lot of love given to the old days and i was looking at this this album and just looking at the list of songs on it and holy shit if there was ever a perfect for me symphony x set list it's this because the whole first disc is just pretty much the best of the new mythology suite. And then the second disc is just like the best of everything that came out <laughs> before that. Um, including a, a 20 minute live rendition of the divine wings of tragedy, the song, but um, you know, smoke and mirrors, church of the machine through the looking glass, sins and shadows, sea of lies. <laughs> I mean, all right, I'm going to depress you for a little bit. There was a time um, you had left for college and I was home and Symphony X would go through and play Lemoore's what seemed like every other month. They were touring the shit out of five, right? And this was before the Odyssey and before they would – I think this was even before they opened for Blind Guardian um, in Times Square, which was a really awesome show. And I think you were there if I'm not mistaken. You came I was not. That. I no, didn't you see okay. Symphony X until Prague Power, believe it or oh, not. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Well, before that show – I remember Symphony X doing a headline show at Lemoore's and they played this entire set list in New York. I still remember the show and I'll tell you why. They went on exceptionally late. It had to be like 1245 in the morning and I was getting really tired. It was about three o'clock and then all of a sudden they start playing the Divine Wings of Tragedy in its entirety. I'm like, I can't leave. I got to stay for another 20 minutes. And I wound up getting home after four o'clock in the morning watching this set list. But I couldn't leave. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Oh, I'm very jealous. I, 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 I also really wish that this is a band that I have been talking about for probably 15 years uh, as needing to release some sort of DVD or Blu-ray concert. Um, and they never have. And there's so little pro shot live Symphony X video out there, um, which is a shame because they're such a gr- great live band and they have such good material. But man, if they had released a DVD of this live show, oh my God, I would have bought it day one. Um, just fantastic. Um, I, I, I still have, uh, I still have a copy of the CD and, um, and speaking of the Odyssey, I remember that was one of the many albums I bought at Prague Power Three. Um, 
I had this backlog of albums that I hadn't purchased because uh, I was in college. I just didn't have any money. And I, I, I brought like a, a chunk, I don't know, 75, 80 bucks with me and blew it all on CDs. And, and it was great because they were all like <laughs> 10 bucks. Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, I remember we all walked away with stacks of albums that we didn't get a hand on, our hands on. I remember um, like, Ed Guy's Mandrake, Symphony X's The Odyssey, uh, the the Misa Mercuria album, which we mentioned a few weeks back, um, just like a whole pile of uh, of stuff that I um, I think I had gotten uh, Anger's Rebirth album. I'm not sure, or maybe the EP that followed. But I just had like this list of of stuff that had come out in the last year or two that I was just hadn't purchased. And oddly enough, I also bought um, uh, the Damnation game by symphony x because i never had it on disc and they were selling it for like i remember it being like six bucks or something like really cheap and i'm like oh that's one to kind of uh fill out the collection so and, th- um, and that's that's another interesting album and I, I know we're all over the place with this but there's about three or four tracks on that album that are just fantastic oh my god a, wi- a winter's dream is Ooh, such yeah. a sick song uh, yeah, and, and I've always been partial to Dress to Kill. I think that's a great song. Certainly The Edge of Forever, which is the, 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 the epic track on that album. Yeah, uh, the, the the title track is a, a real banger too. Exactly, exactly. But um, let's talk about Divine Wings. As I, as I mentioned earlier, it came out in November of 96. Um, hard to get album. Um, Inside Out Music in Europe would pick it up and eventually release it in March of 1997. And... Uh, for many, it, it would be the classic Symphony X lineup, right? This is Russell Allen on vocals, Mikey, Michael Romeo on guitar, Michael Pinella on keys, Jason Rulo on drums, and Thomas Miller on bass. And what I thought was so fascinating, and I think that this is something to really take note of, the album or the music was really, a th- in many ways, a three-headed monster. Uh, Romeo, Pinella, and Miller. And, and I have to say... I think that the band might be suffering from a lack of Miller's songwriting because, again, when he left the band, they just – it wasn't as – I don't know. Like I said, it, it, I think the new mythology suite was great. But, like, when he left the band, everything just seemed to go south for me. I, and, again, I know a lot of a lot of people might disagree with that. Well, I won't. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what I did not know. I did not know that this album uh, was released in Japan – in 1996 and didn't come out anywhere else until 1997. I always considered it a 1997 release and here we go again, uh, nitpicking on, on years. Um, but, uh, I had not a 97 release as well, but technically it was released, you know, in 96 in Japan, yeah. but that's, um, you know, do you, do you remember hearing a lot about albums that only came like, this is an American band and their album came out, significantly earlier in japan than anywhere else in the world i remember having to import this album i remember how i got the album and i spent a fortune on this thing i'll I'll tell that story quickly everybody in the prog circle was talking about this particular album and i got it i want to say in 1998 and i believe i'm 99 percent sure i ordered it from cd now and here I am spending $25 back then, right? So that's probably 40 bucks today, 35 bucks today on an album from a band that I could probably have driven to Jersey for cheaper than I did to import the stupid album. And I remember when it came and I looked at the cover 
and I was just like, wow, that's, I, I really enjoyed the cover art. There was something very church-like, I guess, in a sense. It almost reminded me of like the stained glass window that you saw in the background with what looked like the Virgin Mother praying in the foreground. I mean, it was like just really a cool album cover. And I knew that I wanted to hear it, but I had no idea what the band sounded like. So I remember taking the disc, playing it in my room, and sure enough, the second that that opening riff of of, of Sins and Shadows came on, I was like, oh boy, we are in for a treat. You could just tell that the album was great. 10 seconds into the album. I mean, that's, I remember having that like epiphany, if you will. And um, I, I got to be honest, the next, uh, you know, the next 65 minutes did not disappoint because this album is an all time classic. I am fairly certain I got the album similarly. I remember, I'm pretty sure I ordered it and it was just because of the, this, the word of mouth, um, which wasn't much. I mean, it was, it was probably just Pat. <laughs> uh, but it's a big mouth. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I want to say he probably said like, this is a massive hole in your collection if you don't have this. So um, I'm pretty sure I went around, went a similar route. Um, I don't remember if I got this or twilight and Olympus uh, first. Um, I remember getting them both fairly, close to one another, uh, but I'm, I don't remember which, but uh, it was weird. Like, you know, I hadn't thought about it in a while, but Symphony X was um, not a band that was on a U.S. label until maybe New Mythology Suite, and then their... Well, that's when Inside Out America, I think, picked them up and started... Right, and then they, they released the back catalog, but uh, yeah, at the time, like, you're right, it's so odd that we would be importing... Uh, you know, we could have driven over to Michael Pinella's house and just asked him for a, a CD, a CDR of it, uh, <laughs> probably for less money. It's it's so true, but not um, nowadays with what the uh, what they charge you to go over the George Washington Bridge. But you know, <laughs> at the time, here at the time. Um, but no, it's it, it's it's like I said, it was it was a wonderful time. The band just toured so much around this area, and every time they would go out to Europe, they do warm up shows in Brooklyn or New Jersey. And I, I, I think other than dream theater, I think I've seen this band more than any other. I think I've seen them at least 13 or 14 times, which is crazy. And that doesn't account like the last 10 years where I think I've seen them once. So I'm telling you when, in, during those early days, I was seeing them what seemed like three or four times a year, but uh, I was definitely, definitely spoiled, but let's, let's get into it because this album kicks off with, like I said, of sins and shadows, which simply put is a very memorable in your face, um, prog metal classic in many ways. And, and don't let anything fool you. This is not prog rock, right? This is prog metal through and through and just a phenomenal opening track. Um, the drums and the guitars on this particular track just really pop. And I feel like the keyboards play such a nice complement to the drums and the guitars and something that I'm often critical of, but I thought that the backing vocals, not only on this song, but throughout the album are just so tastefully done almost in, in almost like a, like a church choir. Um, but it's just really well done. And, uh, I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the chorus, which is just one of those sing along choruses that just make for a phenomenal live song. Uh, I don't know, even know what to, how to follow that. Um, <laughs> yes, yes to all those things. Um, 
I like you had mentioned before, like you tur- the first time you put this album in and this you the, you just start with this. I was absolutely floored. I mean, the um that almost like harpsichord sounding key, the keyboard that again at the time really uh I think when I think about this album, I think of Castlevania Symphony of the Night because I would listen to this album while I played the game. And it I was felt a like there perfect was perfect accompaniment. I mean, yeah, it really for, is in many ways. This should have been, could have been the soundtrack to the game. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I, uh, I really like this song. I remember I used to play this in Marsic's car when we would drive to school and we only, there was only enough time to like hear the first three tracks by the four we were already there. Uh, but, um, my God, I, uh, what did he think of it? I like don't think somebody... he knew what to make of it. Like okay. he, he said it, he liked it, but uh, I think he was, you know, I don't think he had ever heard anything like that. I mean, we were kind of, uh, I think, prepped <laughs> by the time we got this album, and <laughs> we hadn't heard enough stuff that it wasn't like, you know, it, 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 it was mind blowing in a way, but at the same time, it wasn't like surprising or shocking. Um, but uh, I, I was the other day, I. I um, was driving and and uh, I was driving from my parents' house back to to my house and I had just just enough uh, fifteen minutes or so so I popped in the beginning of the album and literally door to door it started with of sins and shadows and ended right as out of the ashes ended and it's just like boy I mean throw in the accolade like is there a better first four songs on an album ever like holy shit yeah side side A of this album is is outstanding and it's i have i have thoughts but let's 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 get into it obviously a great opener and um sea of lies is arguably arguably a better follow-up even um how many songs start with a bass solo this might be the only not enough yeah apparently (laughs) because it's fantastic and i gotta be honest not only is it a bass solo that starts the song, but the bass is really prominent throughout this entire song. And I was a little sick of of this track just because, I don't know, the one song that they would go back to in the archives and play an old song, it would be Sea of Lies. For some reason, that was always the song they dipped back into the archives on. I was a little sick of this song. But having not listened to it and giving the benefit of hindsight, it was it was refreshing to hear it again this week. And this song is the luster is back on. Uh, really, really powerful vocals, and 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 I have to say, it is so nice to not hear the angry Russ or the angry Russell Allen vocals. His natural voice, like his clean vocals, if you will, they're phenomenal. And I just don't know why he feels the need to play like. Rockstar in many ways with the new stuff uh, because in spots I, I have no issue with it but let let the clean voice just permeate everything because it's just so so good and it's almost like like a fine wine like it just it just accompanies the music so well um, and and like I said certainly with this track Sea of Lies a, another live favorite for sure it's it's like I said it's the only one they really go back to in many cases and play live now. Yeah, th- this song to me like really um, epitomizes what a lot of this album is like, where you have these kind of slower acoustic parts, and then it starts to crunch in, like it 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 jumps back into that like heavy and a little bit faster of a sound, and you'll hear it throughout. I, I particularly 
the accolade and candlelight Fantasia, which like would be ballads if there weren't parts of the song that were absolutely rocking. Um, and you see a little bit of this here. I, I want to say this song's a little bit slower than uh, of sins and shadows, but man, it just, the, the crunch on this, like it just, and, and again, kind of echoing what we said about superiors uh, behind album, the production on this thing is unbelievable for, for an album this old to, uh, to sound this good. And I can't imagine there was a ton of money put behind it, but man, it, I, I'm not listening to like a remastered or whatever. I'm listening to the, my original copy of it, and it sounds fantastic. Yeah. I, again, I, you, we're talking about two albums that came out within a year of each other. And I don't know that there's an album that comes out today that's better than the sound on these two albums with Superior a couple of weeks ago and this album. The mix on this is absolutely positively superb and every instrument really does have a chance to shine which you can't say that about every album so this is an absolute treat in many ways and the truth is is that the previous album uh damnation game the production is not as good as this um not even close it's significantly um it's not bad um but it's just not great either um this is a probably symphony x's biggest production jump in their in their career is is uh damnation game to divine wings i would say i think you're right and in many ways i would argue that twilight and olympus is actually a step down in production slight slight slightly step down but i think that this was maybe their best sounding album of all um i'm not sure that anything that came out later would would top this which is quite frankly fascinating and you know, for a band like that hadn't come out with an album in the United States in, in nineteen ninety, you know, before this would actually hit the states, um, it was amazing that you couldn't even find this thing if you wanted to. You really had to go through painstaking efforts to get it. Yes, and we did. <laughs> yeah, and we, and we did exactly. Um, talk to me about "Out of the Ashes," the third track. This is the shortest track on the album. It's under four minutes but I have a feeling that it's probably one of your favorites. It's my song of the week. Uh, I love this song. I always have. Um, I always thought that this should have been boss music in a Castlevania game because it's just absolute, it's just absolute like neoclassical chaos. Um, The, 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 I want to say that the, um, it's an arpeggio, arpeggios that they're using at the beginning. I maybe, I, I think that's what, that is i i'm not a musician clearly but um it just the way that it comes in the the pounding drums and the and the flying guitars and keyboards this song is insane um and i I still listen to i've probably listened to it a million times in my life and i listen to it again and i just like damn like i wanted something else to be my song of the week just because this is so predictable but it's just too bad because the song just kicks that much ass. It's it's just in and out, and it's it's just amazing. I I, I hate that I've never heard the song played live before, but um, an amazing, an amazing song. I love it tons. So uh, let's give it a listen, and then you can uh, tell me why it's your least favorite song on the album. <laughs>
as much as I have been criticizing your song of the week in recent history, I cannot, I cannot um, criticize this one at all. This is in many ways, I think the least heralded and most underrated symphony X song there is. People will talk about Divine Wings and people will talk about those first couple of tracks. But for me, this is the track that really sets the band apart um, in many ways from other bands because this is, I don't want to say a filler track, but I, I just think that they packed so much punch in three and a half minutes or three minutes and 40 seconds that um, I, I'm with you 100%. I think the songwriting is phenomenal here. I think that... Um, even the Russell Allen lyrics, which we don't often talk about, but the lyrics and, and Russell Allen and, and Thomas Miller write the vast majority of the lyrics on this album, just absolutely on point. Um, you're in, you're out, and you just, you know, you're, you're like, I, I want to hear more when it's over. It leaves you wanting more, but in the best way possible. I uh, couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I will say Symphony X did, uh, I mean, provided they chose it. Um, this is on their one compilation album, uh, Prelude to the Millennium. Uh, you gotta love a band who releases four albums and then decides they deserve to have a greatest hits. Uh, <laughs> clearly, uh, this was a band that did, I think, deserve it. Um, but um, mo- most of this album, and, and I say that because Divine Wings of Tragedy of the Song takes up about a third of the album, so most of this album is on this compilation, um, including the first three tracks we just discussed. Divine Wings and Candlelight Fantasia, um, along with a really cool uh, re-recording of, of Masquerade, which was a song from their first uh, self-titled album, which is the only album they've done with a different singer than Russell Allen, and and so they re-recorded it with Russell Allen and the current band and the current production as well, um, and it's really really cool. But this is a, a pretty neat little uh, compilation. Um, if memory serves, I think it was only released in Japan, at least initially. Um, but yeah, uh, Sea of Lies is on it. And so uh, to me, it sounds like uh, at least uh, at least at that point in time, they were giving it its just due. But man, I, I remember this went immediately onto my next mixtape. I, I just thought, what a song. And uh, just, just fantastic. It's, it's definitely the most high energy uh, song on this album. Um, and you know me and, and like fast paced, high energy type stuff. Like this is why, you know, I say that, that symphony X does have a little bit of power metal in their blood because of a song like this. It really um, kind of marries the, the power and the prog, if you will. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Now, before we talk about the accolade, this album has actually come out as the number 17th ranked progressive metal of album of all time by Loudwire. And the number eight power metal album of all time um, by the same magazine. So Loudwire has it as the number 17 prog metal album and the number eight power metal album. I thought that was fascinating. I have never considered this band to be a power metal band. And although I agree that Out of the Ashes probably could be maybe a power metal track, I've never thought of the band in that light. So to have them on Loudwire's list for both genres is astounding to me. I imagine there's probably not too many other bands, if any, that <laughs> repeated the same feat, but um, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, I'm with you. I've always considered them a, pro- a more of a prog band, but they definitely have power metal elements that I think um, shine through. And, and there's, you know, 
there's definitely bands that um, are, are considered, I know met, the Metal Archives considers them a progressive power metal band. I mean, for whatever that whatever that's worth. Um, I, I tend to just kind of lump them in as prog metal, but um, yeah, there's definitely some power elements. And uh, that, that song, I mean, if you had just played me that song in a vacuum and I never heard a Symphony X song ever again, I probably would have said, oh, hell yeah, they're a power metal band. Yeah, well, I, I think that's fair not enough. so much um, if I heard the accolade though, which is uh, a, a unbelievable prog epic, in in my opinion. I struggled so much with picking a song of the week for this album because I think you could have gone in so many different directions. I don't know that the accolade is my favorite track. It's probably that or even Candlelight Fantasia, which I think is another absolute gem at the end. But I actually am going to pick the accolade as my song of the week, and I'm going to tell you why. I talked earlier about Russell Allen's vocals and how I thought his delivery on these albums were just so far superior to his delivery on some of the letter albums. Um, I don't know that there's a better example of it than there is on the accolade. This is a beautiful tune. Um, very, very keyboard driven. It takes the listener on this epic journey in many ways, but there's not a single note that's misplaced or a single element of this song that wasn't like carefully, carefully crafted by the band. And this was a, a collaboration with Romeo, Pinella, and Miller. What a phenomenal song this is. I, I just think that it's the perfect complement to Out of the Ashes because it's, it's more epic. It's definitely a ballad-y type of song, except that the, when it picks up, it picks up so hard that, again, you can't, like you said, you can't even really classify it as a true ballad. I just think this song is fantastic. Um, let's give it a listen, and, and I certainly want to hear your thoughts you know, when we come back. Just an absolute beautiful song. Um, as 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 the power metal guy, what are your thoughts on the accolade? I think that um, this song is so perfectly placed on this album because you have these three real banger songs that that open it up. And even though the first two tracks don't quite have that 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 gallop and just ass whipping, you know, face melting tempo that, that, uh, out of the ashes has, you can't argue that the first three songs are all bangers. Uh, and so this is, it, it, at least at the beginning, it really kind of like quiets things down. I, I always remembered that about this song, that it was like the, the perfect kind of, uh, break from the, the chaos in, in, in a lot of ways. And then it would kind of unveil its own chaos, uh, but then, like, 
as you get a bit towards the second half of the song, like it gets like really, you know, you mentioned the, um, the album art where it feels like kind of churchy and this organ sound, like where it just slows down. It almost feels like you would hear it in the church, perhaps of the machine. I don't know, but, uh, (laughs) it fit like it, it makes you think like you look at that cover and you're like, this fits perfectly with what you're, listening to and and like you said like there's not one wasted note like this is just a, an absolute masterpiece of a song um and, and yeah even though i am the power metal guy man i i absolutely love this song i always have and i and like you said it's such a perfect follow-up after that blistering blistering fast quick in and out you know borderline power metal song um here's a song that that epitomizes the prog genre and that it, it has so many different types of styles that change and, but yet it flows so perfectly. Um, really great song. And, and as we say, like, you know, a 10 minute song, it felt feel, that feels like a five minute song. Just a really, really well done. Um, oh, it, it, there's so many cool parts of it that like, there's, it never really seems repetitive or, or, unnecessary um just a really really great tune and like i said earlier i i i'll say again for my money uh some of the four of the best first four songs i've ever heard on an album i mean to come out that strong like that is really incredible and i would argue it ends exceptionally well as well with the last three songs but where the album loses me is with the next track, the fifth track, The Pharaoh. The one song on the album that was literally written by the entire band, I think it's the worst song on the album, and I don't really think it's close. Um, The reason I'm not going to give this album a 10 is this song. Um, I I acknowledge it's impossible to follow up those first four songs, and instead of trying, they said, you know what? We'll just take the worst song on the album and we'll just throw it instead right in the of middle trying. of this piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. They, they, why, why bother trying? Um, it has obviously an ancient Egyptian feel to it. Um, that being said, this was not waking up Tutankhamun or anything <laughs> like that. The, the instrumentality is on full display here for sure. Um, but the chorus is just so weak, in my opinion, and so bland. Um, good verses, I'll give it that. But I, I, something about this is just a miss. And and I don't mind the bridge; it has this whimsical quality to it. Um, the one thing I'll say is this: I feel like every third or fourth grader does that unit on ancient Egypt. You know, like they talk about the tombs and the pharaohs and the pyramids. This should be mandatory listening. And then they should never, and then they should listen to the rest of the album because it gets a lot better from here. But, um, now that I, now that I've said my piece as to why this is not a perfect album, talk to me about the Pharaoh and why it was nearly your song. This was, this was, uh, my runner up for, no. Um, <laughs> so I'll take you through my first full listen of, of Divine Wings of Tragedy in, in probably years. Um, I, I, you know, I listened to the first, three tracks i i you know bangers as i always remember them to be the accolade is just you know fantastic uh pharaoh plays for about a minute and a half and i'm thinking to myself my god 
this this album might be a ten, and then that chorus comes in and and just ruins the whole album. Uh, I mean, it's I was literally thinking the same thing that if this was a better song, if this song had a better chorus, this album might right. have been a ten. Um, but right. the chorus and because the rest, this chorus is so the bad, the rest of the song is not bad. The rest of the song is actually no, but it's good. a terrible chorus. Oh, the chorus is so bland and so boring. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get it. It just absolutely kills the album dead in its tracks. It was like on just this blistering pace of of incredible, like just I don't know. It, it, like this is like you know, it was this a B side that they they crammed on here, like because. But that's the irony. It's a five and a half minute track on a 65 minute album. If they would have just left it off and left it as a 60 minute album, it would have been a 10 and there would have been enough material where you wouldn't have said, I want more. No, you would have been happy. But instead they threw this thing in the middle and I have no idea why. Yeah. And it's probably just, it's probably not as bad as we're making it sound. It's just that the rest of this album is so good that even if this song was a 7.5 out of 10, which might be generous, it's dragging down a lot of nines and tens, you know? So yeah. I mean, that's the kind of way that I put it. Um, I always remember that, you know, this and the following two songs as being kind of that, um, that middle part of the album and probably the three like least appreciated songs on the album. Um, but I have to say, like, the other two songs are really good, and this one's just not really good. I am in complete agreement with you. The Eyes of Medusa, I used to not like. And I remember when they would play this live a lot around this time, and I'd be like, oh, here we go, The Eyes of Medusa again. But the reality is it's actually a pretty good song. Um, and, and I've kind of done a 180 on this, on this one. Um, I love the drum patterns, and I think that, like, the way that the keyboards and the bass play off the drums on this are just absolutely phenomenal. And in many ways, I think the song helps show off Russell Allen's range as a singer. Um, I think that the pacing on this one is also pretty good. Um, it's a little bit all over the place, but I, I find it to be quite endearing in that regard. And, you know, I think it's probably one of the more difficult tracks to play live because you're really showing off their, their, um, continuity as a band because of how difficult this i think is to play and then there's this very regal section at the end which is just like final fantasy to me which i love um I, really good track and and i've come i've come around on this one whereas the pharaoh i think they should have just kept him buried in the tomb <laughs> you should have left him in the pyramid of cheops yeah um <laughs> I uh, I actually am totally on board uh, with you on, on the Eyes of Medusa. I remember not thinking much of it back in the day, and again, it might just be because it's like you know the it's in the middle of of some of the best bread you've ever seen in your life. If I may use a sandwich, uh, you know, a sandwich analogy. Um, but yeah, this is I mean, a it's really like good right tune. in the middle of like a brioche bun. I mean, how could you not yeah, like it? Um, it's you know you you talk about the the difficulty of playing it live. This whole album must be very hard to play live because they usually don't play anything from it. So uh, maybe maybe it's just uh, too technically uh, you know except for CLIs. Everything else is just really too hard to play. 
That must be it. That must be except when I saw a whole except when I think I've seen seven of these tracks live at one point or another. But well, I'm just talking about nowadays. Uh, it, it probably means that all the songs on the fourth legacy are very complicated too, and that's why Camelot never <laughs> plays any of them. So, uh, shout out to the Knights of Arabia. But um, yeah, this is a really good song. Um, probably the most. I would say the I would argue this or the Witching Hour are the most underrated songs um, on this album, but this is a a, a really good tune, and I, I think that it it has kind of a a purposeful kind of a gate to it, like a, it it really has a purposeful crunch to it, but it's not derivative, and I feel like the the previous track, a really good word would be derivative to describe what they were trying to do um the the witching hour is uh a really good oh, i'm sorry um as medusa is a really good song witching hour was always one of my like kind of hidden gem favorites on this album um i've always really liked this song um i think like that really um that really like fast-paced uh brit or um the the verses that before the the chorus comes in it, it's a it's a speedy little tune, and I think um, it, it's uh, yeah, it's the shortest song other than "Out of the Ashes." But I kind of like what Symphony X does with their shorter songs because they just they just get in and get out, and they give you everything you need in a short amount of time. I think this is a really underrated song. It arguably would have been probably might have been the runner up for me for song of the week. Um, but uh, really good song. Do you feel similar? I do. And this is a song that nobody talks about. When when it, when people talk about the best Symphony X songs, this song never gets mentioned. And it should. It's a gem of a song and I can understand why it doesn't hold up to some of these epics that they've that they've kind of been known for over the years. But there are beautiful neoclassical elements throughout this entire song. Every single musician in the band and even Russell gets a chance to shine because it's just really well laid out and a really well constructed tune. And the solos themselves as part of the bigger, longer instrumental section, great stuff. I just think it's really well done, but not to the point of like being self-indulgent. Um, just a really solid four minute and 15 second song, which serves as like an appetizer to the title track, which is or had been. Um, their most ambitious song to date at just under 21 minutes until the Odyssey would come out and, and kind of blow it out of the water. But whereas I believe the Odyssey track is exceptionally overrated, even though they continually play it live, this track is nothing short of a masterpiece. This is a masterclass in how to write an epic tune. I'm just glad you didn't make it your song of the week because if I had to pick a minute of it to use, I don't know what the <laughs> hell I would do. Um, I, I And that's why I think I shied away from it. But this is a seven-part suite, which is just one of the most epic songs you'll ever hear. It does not feel 20 minutes. I think, I'd think i argue it barely feels 10. And I think that's just a testament to everything that's going on here. Um, everything from the Gregorian chants at the beginning, which is basically a tribute to Brian, <laughs> uh, to like these March-like sections, which remind me of the Wizard of Oz. Um, it zigs, it zags, it's all over the place, but somehow it just flows beautifully. Um, and, and like I said, it's the reason I couldn't leave Lemoore's at 3 o'clock in the morning on like – 
whatever, Sunday night or whatever it was at the time. Um, this song just blows away the Odyssey. And I have to imagine that for someone like yourself who had never seen the band live, seeing this as the first song you ever saw from the band, you might as well have walked out after this song because it was only going to go downhill. I should have. Um it was a, you know, funny you should mention, I was going to bring it up, but that set was so interesting because it was Divine Wings of Tragedy, a bunch of songs from Iconoclast, and The Odyssey, which I think maybe let, like was a grand total of maybe six songs because two of them right, were 40 like minutes. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pull it up just uh, just because I'm curious, but that was my one and only time seeing this band live. And... It happened to be, uh, I believe it was supposed to be an anniversary of this album, uh, the year that they played at Prague Power. They were headlining, um, they were headlining Saturday night. Uh, this was in 2012. Um, Symphony X has played Prague Power. Uh, Four times, uh, three of which were in the first four years of the band, of the festival's existence, <laughs> and they came back for Prague Power uh, thirteen and headlined. Um, and uh, yeah, this song they played the Divine Wings, and then they played um, uh, two songs from Paradise Lost and four songs from Iconoclast, followed by the Odyssey as the encore. And uh, I mean, it was good, but I mean, again, you compare it to that. Uh, live on the edge of forever uh, track list and it's just like damn that's really kind of i was hoping for more of a classic symphony x or even just a uh a tribute to this album and, and i'll say you know i don't think they played divine wings of tragedy anywhere else during the around that time i think it was just, they didn't I th- i'm pretty sure it was a one-off special for yeah and, and i appreciate that but much like your experience, uh, this th- the band went on super late. There were some delays. Uh, thankfully, Prague Power, this doesn't really happen anymore, where um, headline bands are going on after midnight. But that's, I believe it was almost 1 o'clock in the morning when the band finally went on. And, um, you know, this is the last band on, four, on a four-day festival. And, you know, we're just, like, running on fumes at this point. Um, I know, I think you were getting sick at the time. and I was sick as a dog during this set. And I remember kind of muscling through Divine Wings because I love the song. And then I, at some point during the set, I just left. I couldn't take it anymore. I was and it sick was so loud. And- remember how loud it was? We were like sitting up in the nose, you know, in the nosebleeds of a 2000 person, you know, venue. But uh, it was, we were nowhere near the stage. And it was, the, it was the loudest I think I've ever heard a band in that venue. Manowar has nothing on Symphony <laughs> X, and it's not the first time I've seen them in that venue, and it's not the first time that they were way too loud. Um, but, you know, it's funny. Uh, well, I, I'll say this before we talk about Candlelight Fantasia, which closes this thing up. Just talking about this, I kind of want to go see the band again, and I kind of want to give some of the new stuff a little bit of a, a listen because, like I said, I make no bones about it. I'm not a fan of the newer material, but I want to give it another shot. I, I I will say I I dug um, Iconoclast. Um, I thought it was a little bit. Um, if you had the 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 two CD version, it was a little bloated. Um, but like Children of a Faceless God, um, th- there's some really good songs on here. Um, it's probably my favorite of the post Odyssey 
uh, Symphony X, you know, which is only three albums, really. Um, I remember Underworld uh, was underwhelming, not to not to make a pun of it, but that's just kind of how I felt yeah. when it came out. And I don't really, really know Paradise Lost, although um, Eve of Seduction is a sick song. Um, it, it was almost like a throwback to this Divine Wings era of, of uh, Symphony X. Um, very neoclassical and, and really like just kind of almost like Ingveian uh, in um, just showing like, look how good I am at this guitar, uh, Michael, Michael Romeo, who's not quite the show off uh that Ingve is he's a little bit more uh modest uh but um yeah getting back to the song at hand yeah there's um you know I'll, I'll echo a lot of what i said about the accolade except it's twice as long but there's just all these different sections and and it flows together also oh so well and uh i one of my favorite parts really is that um the the song like you said starts out with like this almost just uh acapella um you know lyrics to to open it up then it has this really epic intro but my favorite part i think is when it just slows it slows down and you hear that piano and you're just kind of like all right we're five minutes in 15 minutes to go strap in because we're gonna be here a while and it's really i love the way that it just sets up the uh the rest of the song it's really um just a phenomenal song and it took me years before i actually like remembered all of it because it was so big that like i always remembered the beginning and then i would get like i i you'll you'll kill me for saying this but i feel the same way about a change of seasons is that i never i just every time i hear it i feel like i'm listening to it for the first time because i just for whatever reason i just don't digest it and keep it inside me and i don't know why and and this song was like that for a long time for me um it's finally gotten to the point now um the only thing i find a little odd about it is that like i feel like it ends kind of abruptly which is hard to do when a song's been going on for 20 minutes yeah i guess i i guess i can appreciate that um it ends abruptly but it ends strongly like it it goes out like with a with a with a bit of flair. I guess what I'm trying you, to say is that like it goes back again to what I was saying around that five minute mark where it kind of like starts to slow down and you just hear that piano. It almost feels like there's going to be more song and then it just kind of ends. And I guess that's kind of maybe that's just a construct that I put together in my own mind. But um, it's not a knock. It's just uh, it's certainly not the end of uh, Pull Me Under where it just ends for no no apparent reason at all uh, in the middle of like in the middle of a note. It feels like, but um. I always just thought it was interesting, like kind of shocking that at 20 minutes in, I'd be like, Oh, there's, there's not more, but, uh, yeah, fair, but fair, there is an fair. almost seven minute song <laughs> that follows it. To, to... And I gotta be honest, it, it's kind of ambitious that they even bothered to put a song after, uh, you know, divine wings. Um, but they did. And, and it's one of my favorite, maybe my favorite symphony X song. And that's candlelight Fantasia. This song is just so beautiful. And if you're a fan of the accolade, do not sleep on this track either. Um, I think it's a fantastic closing tune. Hearing it live once, I just completely marked out. That's how much I love this song. Um, sort of a ballad, at least, you know, starting that way. But the keyboards are just so 
plays such a nice complement to the vocals. And I think the two of them married together are just absolutely fantastic. Um, it's some of Michael Romeo's more simplistic guitar work, but at the same time, it just fits so nicely with the emotional nature of this song. A, a, a gem. And if I could pick a second song of the week, I think I would pick this. Uh, well said. Um, the first like two and a half minutes of the song, I'm like, I want Russell Allen to like sing me to sleep every night. I mean, for a guy <laughs> who can really sing like some gruff sounding vocals or like what I've seen him do with TSO where he's like, Soulful he's like, yeah, vocals. this Broadway style, like really, really impressive front man. But he also can sing like these real soft and, and just, I don't know, like it really, very like pleasing sounding, but, um, yeah, the song like definitely picks up. It it almost has a, like in the middle of the song, it starts to get a little a little creepy even. Uh, and again, this is another track that I think would have fit uh, Castlevania um, really, really well. Um, the neoclassical elements mixed with the the guitar virtuosity and just the in, the incredible um, vocals of Russell Allen and the the, the great. Uh, keyboards it all just comes together so well it's such a great song um i don't know tell me how you feel about this because i thought this was really interesting but the um the album was released on vinyl for the first time 11 years ago um it was put out by inside out music and because of the nature of the title track being as long as it is um they had to change the order of the songs and so on side a of the second record you have Eyes of Medusa, Witching Hour, and Candlelight Fantasia, and then side B is just all of Divine Wings. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Candlelight Fantasia um, should be the last song on this album. I, I almost wonder if Divine Wings should have been the first song. Um, hmm. That's interesting. I, I think it makes a better opener than it does a closing tune, but then again, I think we're so conditioned to not only hope, but expect to hear Candlelight Fantasia at the end, that to have it any other way would be odd. Um, so I, I don't love switching the tracks around, but at the same time, I know that the, um, you know, you're, you're, you're confined by the limitations of the technology, right? Yeah, there's so only that's what the vinyl so much requires. space you can fit on one side of a, of a vinyl record. Um, I, I, I love the, um, just the way the song fades out and it has like this waltz like tempo and it just, yes. it's just this, it's such yes. a perfect, just a perfect way to just end. It's like this epic, but like understated uh, ending um, just, just a really great way to, to, to take things out. I mean, just, just fantastic. I, I, what the hell are we doing waiting this long to talk about this album? My God. I'll you know, I'll say this. I, I, I'm I'm very happy that you picked it. Um, it was, but but going back to it, I'm glad we waited in the sense that I think that it resonated even more because I had stayed away from it as long as I did. If that makes sure. sense, and and um, and it's a lot better than listening to Human Defects, which was a solid album. But this is just like I think if you followed up behind with this, it might not have felt as much of a, a jump in quality. Well, I, and to that end, I have an album picked out for next week, which I am extremely excited to talk about. I'll mention it at the end, but you gave me a great idea. 
I think we should do a Patreon bonus episode and just do the A Change of Seasons EP at some point because if you you need to spend some time with that song. I've gone on record. It's my favorite song of all time. Um, I haven't listened to it in far too long. I think that if you spend some time with it, you will appreciate it as much as you might have appreciated Divine Wings, the song, this week. I don't know. It's going to be tough to beat out the uh, Dream Theater cover version of Love Lies Bleeding, Funeral for a Friend, which is like the greatest Elton John song of all time. And I love uh, Dream Theater's version of it, which is inevitably the second track on that EP. But yeah, that's well, a great idea. I mean, I yeah, like it. because you know me, I love that era of Dream Theater, but whatever, for whatever reason, that song, it was just almost like, it was like too grand for me to to, to just take in. I, I don't know. I can't. Don't, I don't know why. I never, I never listened. That sounds like I never listened to it and think like that a it's a bad song or 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 like like I don't get it. But then it just, it just like it's like I have short term memory loss with that song. Well, we will uh, something to look forward to for sure on our Patreon. But um, scale of one to ten, Divine Wings of Tragedy, and I should note both of us gave uh, the new mythology suite of a nine, which is a really Really solid score. Um, I have a feeling this will be better, but because of Pharaoh, not a ten. Yeah, not a ten, but still a nine point seven five for me. I mean, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's it's so close to perfect. It's just not my and and I'd like to think that I've stuck with this um, rule, so to speak. But um, I haven't given a lot of albums a ten. I think I've given more than you but not by a ton um but for me like the reason i didn't give the edge by uh, eternity x a 10 and gave it a 9.75 was because there was one song on it that just to me wasn't a great song whereas angels cry by angra to me there are no even mediocre or good songs. Every song on the album is great. And the problem with Divine Wings is that every song on this album is not great. Almost every song on this album is great. But the rest of it is so strong. The rest of the album is a 10. So, I mean, you can't really dock it too much. But um, I, I think that this is pretty pretty rarefied air. And other than images and words, I don't know that I could rank a a prog metal album much higher than this. I'm with you for the same reasons. I'm going to give it a 9.5, but I think that a 9.75 is justified. I think I'm just splitting hairs. It's a 9.5. It is one of the true classic prog metal discs, not just of the 1990s, but of all time. And I think that um, it was really nice to go back to and listen to it this week. So I appreciate that. Um, and it's funny because unintentionally we've done a, a slew of prog albums uh, this month with Superior, Human Defects, this, um, you know, obviously I, I don't think that that was expected, but I got to be honest with you. I'm going to give you another prog album in a little bit, but before we do a couple of news items, uh, Dragon Force is putting the finishing touches on their new studio album, which is um, due out later this year. But I wanted to mention that they are going out on tour with Amaranth, Nanowar of Steel, and Edge of Paradise beginning October 20th in Mesa, Arizona. And then they conclude the tour in Los Angeles on the 19th of November. 
a nice tour package and um, kind of a unique blend of bands in many ways because they don't really sound too much alike. Yeah, but all fun bands, like but bands that I think are all great to see live. So um, I may have to uh, make a little trip down to New York for the uh, the New York City show. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I, I, honestly, Dragon Force would probably be one of the bands I'd be least excited to see of the four bands you just listed, so... Well, I've I've seen three out of the four. I've not seen Nana War of Steel, but I do know that they are playing seventy thousand tons. Oh, their their um, so their new album that came out this year was a real treat. I thought I enjoyed the hell out of that. It's the first Nana War of Steel album I've ever really listened to, start to finish, and I really liked it a lot. You could you'll probably end up seeing it on my year end list if you can believe it. it no, I, I do. I, it definitely had its moments, and is 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 comical as it was they definitely have um the chops to play power metal so kudos to them um and and speaking of the the mr cheops himself ingve malmstein the guy has 40 or 50 ideas already recorded for the next studio album what the hell does that even mean uh i don't know but i bet you not one of those ideas is having a decent production or a guy who can sing so yeah I, i agree with you but uh New Ingve in the future. I wanted to mention oh, that. Speaking and finally, of Ingve, did you happen to see yeah. the set list uh, from his first show uh, of his current tour? Um, I have it not. Was, uh, it was last night. Um, I, again, uh, was having a chat on my uh, Twitch stream last night, and um, I was asking if Ingve. Uh, I said basically, like, I wouldn't have much of an interest in seeing Ingve unless he was going to play some older material and there's a pretty, this is a pretty nice mix of uh, pretty much his entire career. But um, you know, uh, there, there's stuff from, uh, you know, uh, Odyssey, seven sign trilogy. Um, I don't know. I, I I think he needs to play a bit more of the, uh, the older stuff for me to really get, get excited about it. But um did, is he singing on the tour? I don't know. I don't have the. I don't think Ingve has had a a singer that wasn't him in, in a while now. But uh, and I don't want to go see it. I mean, the reality is he's had a who's who of singers over the years. I just don't care. Like, give me, give me anybody. Give me, give me anybody. But I, I just don't think he should be singing some of that. No, material. it doesn't look like. Um, it looks like he's uh, handling. I mean, he's a he's a, a serviceable singer, but when you think about the, he's had a who's the, yeah, who it's a legends list. Years. You know, Yorn Land, Tim Tim Ripper Owens, uh, Jeff Scott Soto, Matt's Levin, uh, Goron Edmund, Jolyn Turner, yeah, Jolyn Turner, I mean, it just like, goes on and on. Uh, Mark Bowles, um, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Uh, that's some some really high end vocalists there. Um, no, nah, but he could do it. <laughs> I, well, anyway, um, one other piece of news: the new Sirtar Icon album comes out next year. I know you love this band. Uh, you love your black metal, but uh, I, I don't even know what we'll, you just we'll, said. We'll I thought it. you sneezed. <laughs> um, I digress. Um, I have been sitting on an album for. I don't know, two or three years since we started this podcast. Must be nice and, and warm I now. It on my, 
<laughs> like a like like it like an egg. Um, this this is a band which has recently come back together. They've reannounced or, or they're going back on tour, which I'm hoping, praying that they come to the United States with this thing or seventy thousand tons or something. Um, but the album in particular is not considered to be their best album, but it is probably my favorite and. Uh, we're celebrating the 25th anniversary as the album came out on August 21st of 1998. And that band, another prog band, is Elegy, and the album is called Manifestation of Fear. I love this album, and I don't quite know why, because I will say it's not the greatest album I've ever heard, but something about this album has always resonated with me. And I think it's time to talk about uh, some Elegy. I think it's because of uh, the Friendly Farmer's own... Ian Perry uh, <laughs> doing vocals. Um, yeah, love me some Ian. Yeah, Perry. I. Uh, th- this is a band that I always just didn't pay enough attention to, but were one of the bands that Pat always would uh, talk about a lot. Um, and I remember buying the Supremacy album at Tower Records. I, re- I just remember randomly Tower Records would once in a while have an album from whatever. It was the Noise Records offshoot. I don't know if it was like TNT or whatever. Like they were, that released the Stradivarius Records or whatever. Conception. Once in a while, you'd find like just an album sitting there that didn't belong there. Like, what the hell is an LG album doing at Tower Records? So, you know, I was like, all right, I guess I have to buy this. And you know, my understanding is that different. It was a different singer. It came out a um, few few years prior to this. Um, so I, I've. Uh, I'm looking forward to this because this is a band I just never paid enough attention to. And I'm excited to hear that they um, are coming back together because that might give me a chance to actually uh, see them live. But um, another band I actually have categorized as progressive power metal. Um, So uh, it it definitely seems to be a vibe this month. Uh, The prog vibe with Superior and uh, the the mystery album from last week and uh, and Symphony X and Elegy. I believe the following uh, week will probably break us out of that mold, uh, but um, it's been enjoyable. Um, you know, I, I gotta. Sometimes I just gotta get in touch with my prog side, and, and uh, we're definitely doing that this uh, this month. So, hurrah! No, uh, no question about that. Um, it just kind of happened that way, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, I think that many people would say Supremacy is their best album. I don't know that I would agree with that. Again, I think I'm in the minority here, um, but that's another album I, at some point we should probably cover because, um, like I said, it is a another another classic mid-90s prog metal album that um, a lot of people just simply rave about. So we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. But uh, next week, Manifestation of Fear. Thank you to all of our Patreons. We look forward to um, keeping and, and obviously getting through all the requests that we've been getting. Uh, consider joining if you like what you hear. And if you don't, just leave us a positive review. Tell a friend. Um, it helps others find the show. And uh, we will come back next week. And then that will bring us right into uh, prog power season, which uh, is right around the corner. I can't believe how close we're getting. Um, I've been listening to Caligula's Horse this week and uh i think i may be sold on, on uh, sticking around especially with uh how much rave review their last set at prog power got they are tight and if you like 
the albums, I think you will love the performance. So I just wanted to give you yeah, those the the, the week before advice. I spent a considerable amount of time listening to Cryptex, which um, I'm sold on them. Um, I, if you wanted to hear Kai Hansen on Broadway, this is your chance. Um, <laughs> it's 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 really uh, wacky but fun, and I, I'm I have no basis for making for this opinion, but I just think they're going to be really cool live. Uh, hopefully it doesn't end up being like a complete disappointment and bomb because it doesn't seem like they play a ton of live shows, but um, I'm kind of running out of uh, potential dinner breaks uh, uh, because this lineup is just chock full of bands uh, that I want to see. So um, I don't know. It, it's getting to a point where I'm going to have to make some sacrifices. Uh, I guess we'll see, but um yeah, I, I I think I may be spending most of my three days uh, in the in the venue. Uh, I'm just probably going to see the most music at Prague Power I've seen in, in years. Sounds like beer for dinner, but uh, I digress. Uh, enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon. Take care.